Great Scott Show on a Friday. It is the 7 o'clock hour. Coming up at 8.15 this morning, Eric Mouton will join me. We'll talk a little Cajun hoops and college hoops with him. Talking a good bit about the NFL divisional round coming up this weekend. And here to join me now for our Pro Nola segment, Saints and Pelicans correspondent from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, Mr. Gus Cattengale, my good friend. Good morning, Gus. I know you celebrated a birthday this week, man. Happy birthday. Belated as far as uh, on our end here from ESPN Laugh. Good one. I did, man. It was uh, not too bad. Got to call a win on that Monday and uh, got to hang out with the family eventually when I landed back home at night. But all safe and sound and all good, man. Thank you. Good stuff, brother. Well, um, Let's let's start with uh, the NFL. I want to talk some about this divisional round with you, but let's start with Sean Payton, right? Seems like every year there's um, rumors about Payton maybe wanting to go, Dallas having some interest, and usually it turns into nothing, and, and I think that's probably where this is going. There is a little bit more chirping this year, though, right? I mean, I was talking to Nick Underhill this week. He's like, yeah, you know, this year it does seem like it's it's a little more than normal, how much has that been a topic of conversation on your airwaves this week, Sean Payton and his future? I mean, it has, but that's interesting you and Nick think that. I don't, as opposed to this, like, as opposed to years where it's not mentioned. I mean, I think when they were in their seven and nine seasons, I used to joke all the time when I had Larry on and you know, Larry Holder, the Athletics, we talk about this. Where he was seven and nine, and he got like two extensions. You know, um, so I, I don't see this really as, as a ton at all because what is it? Two people, two reports, right? One like pro football talk and Lombardi. I, I mean, that's that's it. And they're saying that they're hearing, but I mean, unless you know, Nixon locker rooms and coaches or something of nature or capable coaches saying it, we're basing how much chatter is happening off of what I recall being two reports. Now, one of which was erroneous in terms of Lombardi saying he's in the last year of his deal, which is not, which is factually well, untrue. And that report was about him wanting to retire. Right. And I mean, here's the thing, Scott, when I initially saw this a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever, First thing that popped in my head is I literally wrote it on a sticky note on the wall. Here comes a new contract extension. I mean, that's literally what I thought, okay? Um, the fact that somebody would even spend two minutes insinuating that Sean Payne wants to retire is literally somebody that has not followed the team this year. Because, yeah, and I, you know, we'll get to Dallas if you'd like. But to me, when you start out and double down on it. He went on the WWL airways this week as well and talked about it. That makes zero sense to Scott. Because if you've covered the Saints and you guys air the games, you guys play the sound bites in your show, 
that guy was as driven as I've ever seen him really right. He was a guy that consistently talked about what it takes to battle through all the adversity. He talked about several times he was asked on Mondays after a game, you know, how do you navigate through the, the five-game losing streak? He's in, in thoughts such as, hey, you know, you battle here, you have to leave. Those guys depend on you. You have to come in, focus on certain aspects, but it's all we know how to do. And if there was ever a reason for a season, we just sort of feel, you know what, believe it. And uh, I'll call it a day or, you know, I, I've had enough for this. You look at body language and Scott, you and I in our field tend to listen to what people say, how they say it, and obviously mannerisms when those people are doing that or saying those words. Urban Meyer, the clear example of a man that looked defeated, not in the right mind space, head space, and you could see the writing on the wall, right? No eye contact, head was always down, avoided questions, um, just no energy, no tone. You could see that on the sideline. That doesn't at all describe Sean Payton. Like, that's not even remotely close. So, I, I, again, you haven't paid attention. You, you haven't followed them. Um, because someone is mentioned as a person that would be good for an organization doesn't mean that they're going there or there's interest. Look, I don't know Sean from anybody different than most of your listeners, right? I've covered him. I know him. I mean, he, the difference is he's yelled at you before. I mean, he's called you and yelled at you right. before, and our <laughs> listeners have never had that happen before from Sean Payton. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, the thing is, I don't know what's in his house how his family feels, how he feels, what motivates him, what's his ultimate goal. But I can make certain assertions or assumptions, assumptions based off of what I've seen in 16 years, Scott. And I think it would take an awful lot for that man to jump into a circus for the sake of what national media wants you to believe because of a brand name, okay? despite all the things that the Saints had this year, they don't near in the playoffs. Dallas has much better talent from the offensive side, good defense as well. Parsons and Diggs, you could argue, right there with the best two players of the Saints. And they won 12 games. And Scott, this week, Dak Prescott congratulating fans for throwing trash at the referees. Mike McCarthy's being asked, um, does he have job security? They won 12 games. And last year, everyone gave him a pass because they lost that press guy. The Saints lost their starting quarterback, played forward this year, and almost made the playoffs. So it's just nuts to me to hear people go away Dallas. And I, I would say two things to that. There's something to be said with the relationship you have with management, ownership, and the city, and control of the media, which he has all three here. He's going to be the highest or top three highest paid coaches as long as he's here. He's currently like said, the third highest he's currently the third highest paid yeah. coach in the league. Yeah. Exactly. And he if he wanted it, he'd be the highest. 
So he gets anything he wants. And more importantly, I think to any of this, is what is your legacy? What do you want to leave? Whether it's, hey, look, you're seeing it right now with the Lakers. I mean, I talk about this all the time with NBA. No one's going to consider and think of LeBron as a great Laker. AD is a great Laker. I mean, they benched Russ Westbrook earlier this week in the game. It's, it's different, right? Mike McCarthy, Scott, I believe, has more playoff wins than Sean Payton. He had a straight run of, what, seven straight years the Packers in the playoffs. He's had a Hall of Fame quarterback, just like Sean Payton. He has a Super Bowl ring, just like Sean Payton. And they're literally making this guy out to be a clown. Clown. Horrible coach. I mean, he's, doesn't know what he's doing. He kind of is, though. Buffoon. <laughs> but, but, Scott, hear me out. Credentials, if you're, if you're comparing resumes. Oh, I get Scott. all that. I, look, you, this, you this know, is, but, you're talking to a guy that's been bagging Mike McCarthy for four years. So, I, I'm not I've, – I've, I've just – I think – you know how it is, man. I mean, when you right. have the best quarterback in the league, you can win some games. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a great coach. Right? I, I understand that. And I'm just saying, though, that guy's legacy is what you just made it out of this clown show. I don't think he's got much of a huge clown. I mean, he did good stuff in Green Bay. Clown show is a, clown shows a strong word. He has a history of terrible clock management and, and not getting right. the most out of his teams. And that's what happened this year right. in Dallas. Well, but, like... Getting back to Sean Payton for a moment. I mean, for the record, you're preaching to the choir, but this this is why I wanted to ask you about it. The number one thing for me about Sean Payton not leaving New Orleans, unless he just wants to, like, if he's tired and didn't want to coach for a year or something, but in terms of leaving New Orleans and coaching somewhere else the next season, the reason I said I never think it's going to happen, as long as he's, you know, winning games, is because control. You you covered this guy up close, Gus. Like I said, he's he's texted you or called you before because he 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 reaches out to media members. What are you doing? This? Why is that? The guy has everything down in terms of who has a key card into the building. How how are the um you know paper rolls that you dry your hands with in the bathroom laid out? Like we're talking things that shouldn't matter are to the extreme detail to a head coach of an organization. Now, you could also say, well, those those attention to details is why he's good. I whatever. I'm not even I'm not trying to argue whether it's good or bad. I am arguing that he is in a place where he's already extremely paid a lot. He has full control. Gail Benson's the owner. All right. She lets him run the show. Mickey Loomis has a lot of say. Dennis Lausha certainly has a lot of say for the Saints and Pelicans. No one has more say in the Saints in terms of who gets the final call and what they should or shouldn't do than Sean Payton. I mean, you talk about ownership standing by a guy a lot, even during, as you mentioned, some seven to nine seasons. You're talking about an organization, whenever you're a coach and it's like, hey, we got to make this happen. You got to do the cap, whatever you have to do. If you need to do this into a signing bonus, you got to cut this check today. The owner's like, sure, I'll do it. Here we go. Right? You don't get that at every single place. And Sean Payton, you know, I mean, as far as Dallas goes, well, you've got an owner there that has been the GM. I mean, what's been the constant in the last 26 years for the Cowboys and their constant disappointment of coming up short? It's been Jerry Jones. I mean, what's been what's been the constant 
um, for Sean Payton. Certainly, you know, I, I would say it wasn't like this in 06, but by, by the time 09 was done, what's been the constant there? He's had final say. He has he has had full control. You know, the other team rumored is, is Chicago. Uh, Chicago should make a trade. Well, you have to have an owner wanting to trade and a coach wanting to leave, and that's certainly not the case either. So he, in terms of his personality and what he values most, he has all of it right where he is. So I don't see why he would ever want to leave to go coach another team. If he wants to retire or go do broadcasting, which, by the way, I don't think he wants to do, that's one thing. But as far as leaving one team for another, it's never really made sense based on Sean Payton's values and what he gets as a head coach in New Orleans, Gus. 100%. 100%. And, you know, you kind of laid out a plan. Oh, really, not even a plan, but just a lot of reasons. And look, it's one of the things that I said, too. The succession plan came out a little bit ago, you know, last year. And, I mean, I know that relationship is so close and so good. Because, as you mentioned, there's Lausha, Loomis, Benson. There's, there's a mutual trust and partnership there, you know. I think everyone knows where everyone's place is. I don't think it's one of those situations where... They remind each other of it, you know, hey, you do this, you got that. And there's, just, there's, a, there's a trust that everyone's doing what they can do best for what's best, if that makes sense. And when you were going through just now, the relationship you have with ownership, I mean, Jerry Jones gives a press conference in the hallway after every game. He makes comments on play calls and players. That's not going to change. And even if he steps aside, you have, what, Stephen Jones and other Joneses, all those guys doing that. The only, it has to be like 15 mil a year and control of player personnel. Like, that's the only way that guy would go there. If that's not in the cards, I don't see. Now, I think his personality I mean, you've seen it in Belichick, even Tomlin's strong enough. They can handle the media. I agree with you. It's a lot easier to handle the media here. And it's even more relaxed on it. But, man, I look at it like this. And you know this, Scott. You know when Rita was in line to possibly run the team and own the team before the fallout right. the time That is why I feel so strongly as to why I don't think he'd jump into this. That was a toxic relationship. That, you didn't have to ask very many people about how he felt about that. There was not that trust level, and, I mean, it was routinely spoken about or rumored amongst people that covered the team that if you know who got called up to the pearly gates tomorrow and she was in charge... I mean, I got to the, I heard people to the point say he was great time, <laughs> much less, you know, sign a contract, etc. So I think that is important. So when you hear people cover the team say him having a certain amount of control, but more importantly, vision of where you're going, that's, that, that's the example I go to. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind, like, say, we would be in a situation where not Mrs. Benson, but the fallout wouldn't have happened if Guido's in charge, Sean Payton would be. Absolutely. No, no, there's not a doubt in my mind. 
that's why I think that it, it would be, again, never say never, it would be very surprising if I wake up one morning and Ed Werder or Adam Scheffler is reporting, you know, Peyton's desires to be a Dallas Tech football coach. I just, I don't see that, man. I just really honestly don't. And if you're not going there where you have your family, where, you know, you have a billion-dollar stadium, you have all that other stuff, you know, you go to New York, or you go to Chicago, you know, where you don't know what that ownership is. At least you do know that's from Jerry, and it's when it all costs. So at least you do have that. So, but I'd be surprised, man. I almost again, I point to how he was this season. A guy signing a bigger rate. Scott, I think I told you a year ago, in the same loss that game to Tampa, heartbreaker. Breeze his last look see over his shoulder. And I made the comment to you, and I, I know I did it on my show, and I probably brought it up to you. That guy sounded like he was ready to practice next week. Like, I sounded more downtrodden than he did. He was excited. He was looking forward to a quarterback battle. He was excited to see who would step up, what kind of football team it would be like. If you go back to that presser and you listen to it, you tell me if that sounds like a guy that, you know, it's like, all right, that's the run, that's it, it's over. That's not at all what I heard. And if you heard him this season, that guy is an absolute leader on that team. That doesn't sound like a guy that's retiring. That doesn't sound like a guy that's going to bail on this current squad of guys. Now, Tamara's done. Davis and shows of the younger players he has now, four or five years, talk to me then. But right now, I just don't see that happening. The likely scenario, the next two months, and it'll probably be quiet because the last contract extension, I think he said it at the owners' meetings. Remember after the Super Bowl? He said it after the Super Bowl, and he said the new contract was in his briefcase, remember? Uh-huh. That he hadn't signed it yet. Yeah. So it might even be quiet, but my guess is he gets a new extension, and that's it. I- I'm telling you. I just Here's the other aspect of it. Did you notice that was it yesterday or Wednesday? <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one of those days, and I lost track. The Saints themselves tweeted photos of Sean The Payton day he was hired, yeah. Yes, yeah. The so, anniversary of it, right? Yeah. Dude, it, I move on. Like, I'm not you. I'm just saying, like, I tell, I tell people on our show, I'm, it's not even, look, there's, there's more smoke to bonfire about Zion and his workout, you know, trainer than, than Sean Payton to Dallas right now, in my mind. Gus Cagnell, our, uh, our guest, Prono segment. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Last Saints question, then i got to ask you about the divisional round. Uh, who do you think will start a quarterback next year for the Saints week one? Man, the more I think about it, I think of James Winston. I really want to do. Um, back to kind of what I was saying. Do you give up a ton of your assets? Now, look, I, I understand. If you can go get a, a Russell Wilson, sure. But if they're asking for three firsts, two, beignets, Scott Prather's autograph, Mark Ingram jersey, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I don't, I don't want you to part with that, Scott. So, I... Just look at him being in the locker room in, in, in Atlanta. You know, that really wasn't talked about a lot. Jameis Winston was with the team. Final game of the season. Um, Sean Payton, again, if you just listen to him, he'll tell you how he feels. 
the guy unsolicited, when he was asked, how did he feel walking in the locker room seeing Winston hurt? And that Bucks game said he cried. I said, there, there's an attachment. I mean, I, I don't think he's ever said that about Bucks, to be honest with you. Like, so there's an attachment there. Um, I think he wanted him to root and succeed just as much as he wanted Jason Hill to, Scott, which I think is special. Um, that a coach believes in players like that. Um, but I, I think the more I look at it, and somebody on Twitter Wednesday posted some uh, some Jameis Winston highlights before he got injured and the throws and some of the national commentary and how they think he can do and all this stuff. And, man, look, I think if he – and that's offensive line – with the receiving core, other season, and I know you can sit there and say, well, look, he's rehabbing, but I don't know, man. I just, two years, bring it back, see what you got, use your draft picks to improve your O-line, add to the receiving core, strengthen the D if you lose a player or two, and um, and I don't think you're that far off. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I think there's... There's a handful of options here. And I was even thinking earlier this week, Jared Goff or something of that nature. You know, I'm sitting that guy beat Drew Brees. And I, I think that relationship with Bay yes. kind of, you know, teetered him and he went that south and building confidence and having all that. I think it's very important, Sean, I mean, Scott, that Sean has confidence or belief in who he starts. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The and you look at quarterbacks that have success, and they immediately say they have a relationship with their play caller, their head coach, their OC. The ones that don't, that those teams struggle and those quarterbacks struggle. Gus Kattengill, our guest. Uh, let's shift gears. Want to ask you about the playoff games tomorrow, Cincinnati at Tennessee, and then San Francisco at Green Bay. Um, uh, the Titans of all the, the four teams left in the AFC are the ones, I guess, being taken the least serious, even though they're the one C, which I'm sure Mike Vrabel loves. Um, I, I'm sure he loves to use that as as a way to, to get his team going. Then you got the Bengals, who finally got over the hump. It took them 31 years. They finally won a playoff game. Joe Burrow's like, yeah, we're not going to celebrate this. We expected it, you know, on to the next. He's got a, a moxie about him that's undeniable. Uh, and you know, I think Cincinnati's kind of riding on the 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 train of a lot of people rooting for us right now. This is cool. This is fun. We're relevant. Tennessee's just sitting there in the wings. You know, I I, I picked Cincinnati earlier this week when I was making some picks, and then the more I talk about it, the more I start leaning back toward the Titans. Uh, they have Derrick Henry back, but then you know, it's like I I I, I overthink it, Gus, because. One hand, look, the Titans are the one seed. On the other, you know, I, I saw this team lose to to Pittsburgh. I saw this team lose to the Jets. I saw this team struggle at the end of the season to put away the Texans. The Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback when a one seed was on the line. So I'm, I'm kind of back and forth here. I do think the Titans are the better team. They're at home. Um, maybe I'm switching back to Tennessee. I don't know. Help me make this pick. Where should I lean, Cincinnati or Tennessee? Well, I'll tell you that I, I'm i all Bengals. I am team Bengals. Who day, who that, I'm all team Bengals. I'm all about it. 
So I obviously want them to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm rooting for Cincinnati as well, but right. I, you know, but what do you um, think? Who do you think's going to win? Objectively. Well, yeah. Objectively, I think the AFC is open. I mean, you look at probably the best matchup over in the AFC, Madison and KC. You would think, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, people wrote off KC early in the year, then they wound up winning with eight straight or something. Buffalo lost to the Jags. But you know they're capable with Josh Allen to be able to make a play and, and do that. I, I think, man, you have to have a quarterback that can make an elite play or two, right? And I just don't buy Tannehill. I, I just don't. Same. I do buy Vrabel. I think he's very underrated, man. I don't think a lot of people talk about the jobs that he does. Yeah. His teams aren't always pretty. You know, it's almost like Belichick light to an extent, right? They don't have that sexy, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback like they do with Brady, but his teams play probably team so. Yeah. Some of the earlier Patriot teams, right? Yeah. Like early, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, like oh, the O one team, the O two. It's I, I I guess I'm with you. Like if Tennessee, it's it's all about like I think both the games on Saturday, right? The the home team in the AFC, the road team in the NFC, San Francisco at Green Bay. They they want to control the tempo, right? They want to control the tempo. They want it to be a ground and pound physical type of game. Cincinnati, I think, would prefer, even though you know Mixon's good. I think they would love to have Tannehill having to throw it a bunch. And San Francisco wants to control the clock by just run formation you to death. You know, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, catching passes, running the ball at wide receiver. They they want to these. It's all about dictating pace. And I think for Tennessee, if they do that, they win. But if Cincinnati can get any kind of a lead and it forces Tannehill to try to win the game. Cincinnati's going to the AFC Championship. Tennessee dictates the pace and is able to run the ball effectively. They're going to win, and and they might even win double digits. I, I If it's a mix of the two, now we're in for a good game. Uh, I guess I'll stick with my pick for Cincinnati. I think Green Bay is going to beat San Francisco, but, boy, from a matchup standpoint, oh, Green Bay's at home, Green Bay's at home. Green Bay doesn't have the strongest – you know, defensive line and, and you know, they're in terms of what San Francisco does well, it San Francisco's secondary is, is um, I think Aaron Rodgers could throw on them, and I think he can throw on them a lot. But can San Francisco have some of those long drives? I mean, that first drive they had against Dallas was, I mean, I don't like the Niners at all, but, I mean, I objectively, I got to say, that thing, that was a thing of beauty. I mean, all of the different angles, the formations, what Shanahan was able to do on that opening possession where they had the first 15 plays scripted. I, um, I'm, 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 I'm taking the Bengals and I'm taking the Packers, but I think if Tennessee and San Francisco wins, I think the formula is going to be similar in both of those games if, uh, if that happens. So I like Natty in an upset, and I like the Packers as the favorite. Who are your two picks tomorrow? Yeah, I'm with you. And the reason why I, I feel conflict, well, I would, look, I'm picking Cincinnati because I do think at the end of the day, man, I got to trust the QB. And I think Joe right now is playing really well. I think that offense believes. Um, the problem is they hadn't been there. So how do they handle that environment? Be, having your first playoff game at home, you know, you could argue, is, is it harder? Because you have that pressure. Right. I mean, Drew even uh, talked about it. Um, you know, where um, that NFC championship game, they felt it all week. Oh, you know, right? everywhere they went, man, people were reminded, you can't lose this game. We have to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, that last drive, that was the wobbliest pass of Drew Brees of Stone in his career. Thank God Remember they had Pierre Thomas. Thomas. Thank God they had <laughs> Pierre Thomas. 
I mean, dude, he was he was holding on to that ball, can't want to turn it over. So I, I do think there's there's a sense of with, with Joe and the Bengals, you know, I keep using the phrase this week, why not? And I, I, I just the, the way he talks, the way they look at it, they're just chill. They're like, why not? Why not us? They got nothing to lose going into Tennessee. And and then, you know, their reward will be Buffalo KC and they went toe to toe with KC. I think that when I spoke to Ben Baby this week of <laughs> ESPN who covers the Bengals and, and I mentioned that game because KC you know, was on an eight-game win streak. I mean, they, and they went toe-to-toe with them. And they held Mahomes to, to something obscene, like no TD passes or, or no first downs or something like that in the second half. Like he, he did, and their defense did a pretty good job on it. Um, I think the case Trey Hendrickson, <laughs> if he can play. Um, his ninth playoff game, Gus. He's <laughs> he's, yeah. This will be his ninth playoff game as a pro in, uh, in year number, what, so, five for him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just look at it, dude, where I, who can make a play? I, I trust that guy. You know, I, I do. I, I've seen games where Burrow's gotten sacked five times, gotten hit, and he, it doesn't phase him. So, to me, it's can he avoid the dreaded thing that he's done this season that would be the thing that he'll tell you he needs to work on next year. And he's thrown way too many interceptions in the red zone and far too many in the end zone. If they can score, Scott, when they're in there, and especially a touchdown, the Bengals are winning this game. I, just, I, I trust their offense. Here's the thing. Everybody's bringing it back with Derrick Henry's back. Derrick Henry's back. Derrick Henry hasn't played. So he may be fresh in the first quarter. How is he going to feel in the fourth quarter? He hasn't played. Does he have the stamina? I mean, I, I don't know um, if that's logical to think that he can just walk in and play four quarters and carry the ball 40 times. If he can, I'm not doubting it. The guy is a beast. But, you know, that Tannehill's going to have to make some plays. So I, I'm, I'm interested in that one. And I'm with you. I, I, I think the 49ers, though, Scott, when I, it goes back to who do you trust, dude? And the 49ers don't trust Garoppolo, but I trust Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron's good for the NFC Championship game, and that's where he struggles, you know, when you look at it. I, 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 I got... I got Packers. I got Bengals. I know. Here we go again. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, who will Green Bay play on Sun uh, uh, next week if they win? Either Tampa Bay or L.A. You know the Rams. Credit to they played well. The Cardinals looked terrible, um, really bad. I mean, it, it, you, that Monday night game it felt like you watched that first two drives. You're like, well, this is over. Um, and then you got Tampa Bay, who is, you know, they, their line got a little hurt last week. They're, I don't know, they, they don't have that same, maybe it's a good thing for them, I have no idea, but they don't seem to have that same wave of momentum, right, that they had last year in the postseason as a wild card team. Uh, I know Tampa Bay's at home. I, I, I think the winner of this game is going to lose next week, put it that way. Um, but I think I'm I think I'm taking Tampa because they're at home, um, and because you know the Rams they're just their offensive line doesn't do it for me, they don't, and you know Whitworth might not play he's questionable we'll see, they're just they're, I, I look at Tampa Bay's defensive line as the key to this game and why I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to win a game over the Rams I think Tampa's going to go to Green Bay next week I'm taking the Bucks in this game. Yeah, I got. Um, I just don't trust the Rams, man. I don't know what I'm going to see. They, they have all the, all the, 
potential. They got all the talent. Um, I, I wish, you know, that was the same Aaron Donald that we saw this past week, two weeks ago against San Francisco. He had zero sacks, you know. Um, but, again, I I just think, too, with, with Tampa, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that offensive line. But, Scott, I go back to this. I go back to Drew Brees, right? When you have that kind of quarterback that can read a lot of different things, he can help you with that. He can help you with getting rid of the ball, checks, moving around, doing different things, getting rid of the football, and you can hit Tom Brady for a bit. He's going to make a mistake, but, he, you know, if he still has a chance in the fourth quarter, you feel good about him. We've seen him against the Saints make mistakes. Now, we've also seen the Saints at Tampa a couple weeks ago dominate their defensive line and, and, and frustrate. And they absolutely, the Rams have just as good a D-line. You'd have a secondary there to do it. I don't know. Um, I think that's a close game. Um, I, I just, I don't know, I feel Tampa as well, man. I just, again, I don't trust the Rams. Can Stafford go out and, and, and continue to do that? I mean, it's just been so up and down with him. Like, if there was, even if it was a win-loss, 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 but the games were the same, I feel better. But when they win, they look a certain way. They look like a 10 when they lose, they look like a two or three. You know what I'm getting at, Scott? Yeah, they yeah. Like and they're, like and they're D line. Their front seven's good, but their secondary is vastly overrated because of one player. Jalen Ramsey's awesome. He is. The rest of their secondary is terrible. And and I think with the Rams, you can get so caught up in the big names and lose sight of the whole unit. And uh, you know, I, I expect Brady to check down him to death and uh, and win the game. All right, the most anticipated game of the weekend, last pick for you, and we'll briefly talk about the Pels and let you run. Chiefs-Bills, 5.30 kickoff in KC. It's going to be cold. Not as cold as it was in Buffalo. It's going to be, um, it, It's you know, the, the sun will go down early. You got the two most exciting quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, in Mahomes and Josh Allen. This is uh, this has the makings of what could potentially be a classic. Kansas City right now, a two-point favorite on the latest two and a half or two, depending on what sports book you look at. Look, I picked the Chiefs before the season to get to the Super Bowl. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I'm picking the Chiefs to win on Sunday in a three-point game, although I'll be rooting for the Buffalo Bills. I think the Chiefs win this one, Gus. What's your pick, Buffalo KC? Dude, I, everything should be KC, right, you would think? Um, you know what I've seen in Buffalo, though, lately? They, they're, they're like an elephant, right? What's the saying with an elephant? They have long memories or something like that. They, they kind of have a little, little chip, don't they? Like, they remember that Patriots game, and it almost fueled them at the end of the season, didn't it? You know, when, you know, Mac Jones completed two passes against them. And that, that was a statement game last week. And you saw them, you know, a couple times this season towards the end. And I know they lost to Jags, and I, I get it. But I think there's a lot of people up there. I spoke to somebody earlier this week that covers them in, in Buffalo and He's like, they ain't forgotten about the AFC Championship game. They, they legitimately felt they, they should have won that game. So I don't think they fear Tasty. I, I, I think, again, there's something to be said of having been there and done that. And they were in that spot. 
you know, a game later. Obviously, maybe it's a championship game a year ago. but And the Bills so, whooped you know, them the earlier this year in KC. I mean, whooped yeah. them. Now, the Chiefs I'm felt saying, like a I, very different time, you know, a very different team at that time than they do now. But Sure. But, yeah, mm-hmm. man, Buffalo, I'm with you. Like, it, from a confidence standpoint, I think the Bills are, are – they, they have the most confidence of maybe anybody in the postseason right now. It's not going to be like, right. so oh, I, what I, do we do? Right. right. So, you know what? I'm going I'm to go Buffalo since you went KC. That All way right. <laughs> All right, last thing, man. Uh, Pels um, don't have a lot of time uh, really to hit on last night's game against the Knicks, but we, we usually talk about the state of the team. My quick question to you on the Pels is, with a spot at the play-in tournament, do they make a trade or do they think your picture here? We don't need to, you know, if a trade's there, fine, but we don't need to have some lopsided trade to try to get a player to get us in a playing game this year. we got to think long-term here. How do you think the Pelicans are going to deal with the trade deadline? Yeah, I'm with you. I think you look at, can I, you know, what is it they think they need? And even when they're playing well right now, this team seems to play really well together. I think there's a belief with one another, so I don't know if I really want to mess up a lot of chemistry. Um, but they need scoring. And consistent three-point shooting would be the thing that I look at. So, you know, I got who's a guy that is either on the bench or you know, maybe wants a bigger role that can come in and – you know, be a guy that can sort of help on that, you know. Um, I just don't know if you see that sort of consistency from the scoring standpoint that you would like to see with this team. So I definitely think that that's something you kind of look at. But quite honestly, again, until you know what you're doing with, you know, I essentially made him Voldemort over here. I literally refer to him as he who will not be mentioned. I'm just sick of it. Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to quote-unquote go blockbuster or, you know, do all kinds of different things. Look, I, there's a lot of reporters here that would love the Aaron Fox. I love the Aaron Fox. You're not getting the Aaron Fox. <laughs> you know, he's, in, he's tied into the Simmons trade. He's all kinds of different things. But I, I think a player like that would be somebody that you target in free agency next year or – you know, I don't know. You may be making a trade. I, I don't. I just don't know, Scott. Um, so I, I mean, what if you know? What if there's a conversation this summer, man, where you know the the words "I'm not signing the extension" happen? So I just I think you know it, this season is what it is. Um, as it is with the talent that you have and the players you have, you're. You know, you're hovering anywhere between two and a half, three games. Even got as close as a game and a half from the 10th seed. You got a while back. If Zion does come back after the All-Star break, you got about 23 games. The first game after the All-Star break is 23 games. Um, maybe you can make a run. I just, yeah, man, Scott, it's almost, I wouldn't even say cosmetic, but I, I look for, like, some shooting help and that stuff that whether it's second-round picks or, Maybe some contracts and guys on your bench, Sadaransky, you know, things of that nature that uh, you can do that. But I think there's a good chemistry on the team, and I do think they're like playing for one another. And I think you, you continue to nurture that and build it. Um, and if not, you pick high in the draft. I just, I, 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 I wouldn't do that. Um, I just don't know what I'm doing with if, if Unless it's yeah. helping you long-term, don't do anything short-term. That's got to be the philosophy. If it helps you with both, go right. ahead and pull the trigger. If it's more of a short-term thing, no, that's not franchise. We're on the same page there. Yeah. 
Gus mm-hmm. Cattingale has been our guest at GCAT underscore one seven on Twitter at GKATT underscore one seven on Twitter. Catch him in New Orleans, ESPN 100.3, the sports hangover, noon to three weekdays. He is uh, awesome, and he has been our guest for the Pro Nola segment. Gus, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football, and uh, stay warm, my friend. Yeah, man, I always appreciate the time as well. We're not getting any snow, huh? Have you seen any snow yet this morning? No, but uh, maybe a little ice, so be careful out on the roads, everybody. Icy. (laughs) Be safe. All right, brother, I'll talk soon, all right? Mm-hmm.